Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. 
And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our episode where we take audience questions. We talk about Jedi Temple Challenge and news. This week, we got big news, a big old batch of bad batch news, right, Ken? Breaking news that actually was able to be slipped into our show notes before we record it. Uh, Shout out to those in the Discord server that posted and reacted to this news and then immediately asked, I wonder if it's going to be in this week's episode. (laughs) It is. Yeah, I was literally sitting with my uh, show notes, making my little notes, and then I saw a one tweet, one tweet, and I was like, is it, is this real? Is it happening? And the answer is yes. I will make it real. Uh, It is uh, what's going to be one of our big topics in a second here, but before we get to the news, uh, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center, over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, or whatever new device they create next week. Uh, <laughs> your Lobot headgear. <laughs> I can't wait. A little later, we have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But now it's time for some Star Wars or Life Adventures. Man, week went past, uh, zip past me real fast this week, Joseph. So I don't know what I got. What did you have uh, time for life? <laughs> I well, life made time for me. Uh, I guess put it that way. Right. I did not have time to do a bunch of Star Wars stuff that was not uh, related to getting ready for shows, which is great. Of course, we love doing Force Center. Force Center flows from our fandom. Uh, so I never want to make it sound like that. That isn't stuff I did for fandom. Here, here's the two Star Wars adventures I, I had this week. I'll say um, I didn't have time to watch Solo on its premiere on Disney Plus, but I wanted to support it with numbers. Uh, so I set it playing in the background while I did some work on Friday, and then I kept turning around and getting distracted. I was having I was at my uh, my desk working, but I can see my television from my desk, which is not ideal for being yeah. productive. I kept playing that game with myself of like. Oh, around I think around this much time has passed. Can I guess which scene we're on? And and, and I got it right several times. Uh, but then I, I got caught up in the end. I watched the whole like last twenty minutes. I couldn't stop myself. Uh, I love that movie so much. Uh, yeah. So just partially watching Solo was a big Star Wars adventure. And then I will just say um, this week I put together the, another episode that that we just released on Sunday of favorite points of view, uh, where I ask fans uh, for their favorite thing in Star Wars and why. This is the second episode where we talked about inspiring moments in Star Wars. So I was putting that together, reading everybody's thoughts, reflecting on them. Uh, and this was a kind of a rough uh, week for me. I got some things going on in my personal life, got some things going on in my career. Nothing, uh, you know, earth shattering or traumatic, but just a hard week where there's lots to cope with. And lots of little moments where I could choose the light or I could choose the dark in terms of how I handle something. And going through everybody else's inspiring moments... And just thinking about Star Wars, thinking about is this a moment where I want to take a deep breath and try to come up with a clever solution? Or is this a moment where I want to just lash out and rage? Mm. Uh, I had a good Star Wars adventure and just like Star Wars and and the community around it just really helped me cope and help me take a deep breath and not lash out in anger. And uh, and thanks, Star Wars, I guess <laughs> is what I'd like to say. Thanks, Star Wars. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's why... When you come to Force Center and hey, those uh, those folks over at Force Center, they're positive and everything. Yeah, that, that what that means is we just we love digging in and 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 being inspired by those who are inspired by Star Wars as well, uh, and finding new ways to connect to these things and applying it to real life. All that's 
Oh, that's real, man. I, I was I was asked about it on a show Saturday night online. Uh, you know, what what does Star Wars Media? And it's like it's something that, it's grown up with me, and I've grown up with it. It's evolved, and uh, it goes from pew 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 to let me th- let me think and ruminate on what that means to my life. And that's I love when it rears that uh, rears its head like that. Yeah, yeah. When it, it's just a, it, I had a fun time matching. Like, okay, I have a I have a choice to make today and how I handle something upsetting. Is there any specific moment in Star Wars I can map that to? You know, and you you go to an index card. Uh, you and I have index cards on our desks that are just like <laughs> pull it out like a scene for this or that. Uh, actually, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> oh true. yeah, uh, mm. yes. Uh, emotional problems flashcards <laughs> for Star Wars. Uh, Yeah, and I should uh, shout out real quick. Also, I was on the Going Rogue uh, podcast, Andrew DiMolanta and his partner, Nikki. uh, They had me on, and that was was great fun. It was just a general Star Wars conversation, and uh, I want to plug that episode of the podcast. And the podcast in general, it was really fun, and that was just like, hey, let's have fun with Star Wars. What do you like? What do you not like? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm. It was a great conversation. That's awesome, man. Awesome, awesome. Good stuff. How about you? What were your Star Wars adventures? Um, you know, so Fast and Furious this week. Did not watch Fast and Furious. Didn't watch Solo. I'm planning on it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a Battlefront, actually, update. I, on Tuesday night, I, I streamed uh, Battlefront. As often, I, I try to do on Tuesday night, sit down with Battlefront on Twitch and just kind of play. Uh, Mark Riley, our, our pal Mark Riley's uh, foray into uh, Twitch in the streaming world. So he finally got back to Battlefront 2. He had never played it other than the story mode. Oh, wow. And so we jumped in, find some technical uh, issues. We finally, uh, two old guys trying to figure out some new programs. Uh, we finally got in and we were playing together. And so he texted me, you know, it was fun, fun session and everything. He texted me yesterday and he goes, I've been playing Battlefront 2 all week and I blame you uh, and also praise you for getting me uh, into this side of it. And, you know, it, it's sad that... Uh, um, you know, it's 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 sad that Battlefront Two the updates have have ended as we've we've talked about uh, before here, but uh, it's a, it's a reminder of going back to revisit things is 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 important in Star Wars because your relationship to it changes, especially when headlines negative headlines die down. And, and Riley is having fun. We're gonna we're gonna even be get this, Joseph. We're gonna play offline and not stream it. We're gonna just play for ourselves, just for like fun as human beings. Yes. Yes, we will have to include you in our squad, sir. We can all just sit in our living rooms in our uh, parts of the uh, SoCal region here and play. Uh, and so that was kind of fun, you know. It, yeah. It, the drawing power of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. That would be fascinating to play with people who were actually working together. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We had a lot of fun. We, we had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm disabling this guard me and then he'd die and i'd die but it was a lot of fun we do it again We're but you again. tried to strategize which in my experience when i was playing more of those cooperative modes didn't happen much at it, all no 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 and then we, we you know it's that co-op mode and you know you're playing against ai but it's four people on a on a squad i don't know what happened again i i play battlefront 2 and i'm not lost on some of the tech side of that on how to set things up and everything but what i don't know what happened uh we it was me and mark in a squad with two complete strangers and i was like abort mission we're out of here i don't want to talk to anybody (laughs) (laughs) so there's that uh everything else was a yeah quick uh quick quick week for me so didn't have a lot of time i'll tell you that i'll tell i um you know i mentioned last week i've been re-watching director and the jedi uh the last jedi documentary 
on Disney Plus. I watched it on Disney Plus, got about 45 minutes into it and talked about it on the podcast. And then that afternoon went back and it was gone. It's gone. Poof. It's not on Disney Plus? It's vanished to the point where I was like, did I watch it on something else? <laughs> My God. No, I went back. I was like, no, I was watching on Disney Plus. I mean, it poof, like Luke at the end of Last Jedi, just faded, gone. Every, I can't find it. Um, I don't like know. Metal hand with it, huh? I'm going to have to gasp, pull out my actual physical media and watch it on there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Don't hurt your back opening that disc tray. Oh, please. Uh, gosh. Uh, trying to explain to uh, my girlfriend why it's still valuable to have all those things. And this is the case. Case in point. <laughs> uh, and then the final thing for me, I do the brick building every Sunday on uh, my Twitch channel and it's always Star Wars Lego sets. I have a couple of those I could build, but we're not. And so I built an older set. It's the older A-Wing from 2013 and it comes with generic A-Wing pilot. But we all know it's Arvel Krynid and you, it has a multiple you, you switch, you know, two faces on the Lego head. You can choose which face you want oh, and it's wow. a serious grimace and scared screaming face, which <laughs> I thought was almost distasteful for our credit. Uh, then it comes with Han Solo, and then it comes with Admiral Akbar. So that's a weird thing. A-Wing with Akbar and Han Solo, what is it? And I was like, yeah, all right, now look, Arvel Krynid crashes into the uh, Super Star Destroyer, Akbar size, and Han finishes the mission down there on Endor. That, that all makes sense. But here's the best thing. Here's the I got a picture off to tweet it out. Uh, shout out to our uh, listener, Kyle Harlow, who did a screenshot. Admiral Akbar, you know, every Lego minifig comes with an accessory, Joseph. Han had his, had his blaster. Arvel Krynid had a wrench, apparently, fixing the A-wing in space. <laughs> Admiral Akbar comes with a coffee mug. Really? Yes. So he's just having his uh, his morning coffee while Arvel is making the ultimate sacrifice. It was the best. I was laughing legitimately after like five minutes. Because you just put it, you're like, you know, you're going through your, your pile of Legos. You're like, oh, here's Hans Blaster. What do we got? A leg, little Lego coffee mug with Akbar. And I just love there's some meeting of something like, what should we give Akbar? A coffee mug. You I see? wonder if it is a super meta joke on the meta joke of uh, coffees being advertised, like a Frappuccino is being advertised with pictures of Akbar saying, it's a frap. <laughs> Yeah, world's uh, number one admiral on the coffee mug. It should, should read. So anyways, small note, real fun, and just, uh, you know, adds to Akbar's lore in my head. That's right. <laughs> so those were my Star Wars life adventures. Uh, from there, it is time to go to the news. And breaking news on our recording day that we released this episode on Tuesday, we record on Monday. And literally, as we are sitting down to record, like Joseph said, a tweet came across carrying this information, and the Bad Batch has become the Tortellis of Star Wars. We shall see what that does here. We got a spinoff. A spinoff indeed. Uh, let me just kind of read the description here. Uh, members of the Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who are very genetically from the Brothers of the Clone Army, each possess a singular exceptional skill, which makes them extraordinary effective soldiers and a formidable crew. This we know from seeing them in Season 7. In the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. Uh, the big question, yep, Dave Filoni will be executive uh, producer along with uh, Athena Portillo, Brad Rao, Jennifer Corbett with Carrie Beck, 
and Josh Rhymes on board uh, in uh, co-executive producer and producer roles, respectively. Rouse, the supervising director, and Jennifer Corbett will be the head writer. Everyone wants to know Filoni's level of involvement. We have no idea. We have no idea. And that's pretty much it, Joseph, in terms of the information. So let's dive in with thoughts and stuff on the Bad Batch spinoff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just to address the stuff that you were talking about of the kind of uh, who who's uh, mainly flying this ship, I think this is a similar setup to Resistance. Uh, Jennifer Corbett wrote a bunch of episodes of Resistance, so it would seem, and I believe Filoni was the executive producer, I really think that means super, super shaping it from a big, big uh high above <laughs> orbiting like not down there in the trenches and i think that is similar to resistance so i think right. phony is overseeing it but i don't think he's going to be you know super directly involved and so th- that's my take is that it is an evolution of hey we met some new talent on resistance and we we're elevating that new talent and, and it will if jennifer corbett's a head writer i think it'll be jennifer corbett's show Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that, especially, you know, his involvement uh, in other parts of Star Wars. Uh, makes sense. And uh, the um, he tweeted out, did you see that tweet? Uh, you know, it, it slipped through my uh, muted words there. Um, but uh, he just tweeted out another picture of Ahsoka and said something about uh, all the answers soon or some kind of very Dave-like tweet of of, uh, you know, uh, getting people all riled up and excited. So, he did uh, not. That was a trick. That was a trap. That was? That's a parody account oh, that's see. meant to look exactly uh, exactly like him. Which see? I, I had to unlike a tweet. It was it was very distasteful. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I hit like on the tweet because like, I, I, I think that is coming eventually, the further adventures oh. of, of Ahsoka in some way, even more than if she's just appearing in The Mandalorian. Um, but then I was like, wait. I'm following Dave Filoni and I'm not following this person. And it was, it's like Dave underscore Filoni slash underscore. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> See, there you go. Fake those kids. Onion is taken as real. I didn't even check. I just saw the retweets on it there. That is how misinformation happens. Kids wear your masks. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. I actually kind of like that because I was thinking that might have something to do with this. But it still might have something to do with this. Not, it not still that. might. Yeah. I think uh, your point that Filoni's a big picture day-to-day energy is elsewhere. I mean, we know that he is sitting there working on Mandalorian season two post-production and weighing in on that. Right. Um, right. We, in theory, uh, we heard rumblings. I can't remember what level of veracity, but I think they make a ton of sense that Filoni and Favreau are probably having a, phone uh zoom conversations about season three so and i think there's some other animated series that floney is probably involved in or or who knows what other live action thing so this makes perfect sense that he is executive producing and new voices will be you know running running the ship yeah athena portillo uh worked on clone wars and you mentioned the resistance connections jennifer corbett uh i have to i'll go through a little bit later, just kind of connect the exact episodes she wrote. Cause I, I you know, you and I are going to probably look a little closer resistance after falling off mid season two, the final season I picked up. And I, I, I thought that show just had some really powerful episodes uh, into the home stretch. So it even gives me more faith, faith in something like this uh, going down to the nitty gritty and what this yeah. could mean, Joseph, uh, this, I, I, I am, I'll start here. I am, 
I uh, I like I love those Bad Batch episodes we, we on, on season seven of Clone Wars. I really did love them. They're kind of this um, you know super team, and and I think we, we were even joking. A lot of people were joking. Like oh, it feels like, feels like a show uh, in and on into itself, right? Uh, so here we are. We got it. I am I am I don't I'm always excited for more Star Wars. Uh, I'm not. This is not necessarily the the show idea that I would have um, wanted, but this post Clone Wars era. That's that's intriguing to me. This like year or two after, and and we could tie it to bigger themes and revelations, and that makes it intriguing to me. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, that that Bad Batch episodes were really great by themselves. They had all of this uh, Star Wars depth of Rex uh, feeling like the clone who had become maybe a little bit kind of rigid, and then he, I think, found some more like humanity and creativity from seeing these clones that had this perspective of humanity and creativity. So I think that, that those episodes absolutely had their place in just the story of Clone Wars, but they did also feel like a little bit of a backdoor pilot, and uh, the Bad Batch does seem like they could be these sort of one-note, you know, like, what if the A-Team was kind of in Star Wars, you know, right. very 80s, very one-note, like, here's their shtick, the same way, like, it's there's so much that's 80s about it, they sort of remind me of uh, He-Man, of like, mm. literally, uh, this character is named Moss Man because the action figure is going to smell like moss. That's his thing. You know, like there's so much about them that can seem one note. Um, you and I have been making and, and, and you uh, included it in our headline. You know, is this uh, a spinoff like the uh, Tortellis, uh, which was that cheer spinoff about Carla's ex-husband's family, <laughs> which I think failed pretty quickly because they were a fun one note compliment to mm. Cheers. Uh, but then they didn't uh, evolve past one note. Or is this going to be Frasier? <laughs> Are we going to take a character and develop a whole new world around that character and deepen it? And I, I, I'm going to make a bold Star Wars prediction, Ken. I think Bad Batch is going to be the Frasier of the Clone Wars. <laughs> wow, tossed salad and scrambled eggs coming your way, everybody. And I yeah. have all the faith in the world that uh, that is going to be true. Uh, but potential one note falls flat but perhaps even more than that joseph because this is so closely tied to the clone wars this thing that's generally so well loved in star wars that that immediately sets up comparisons and expectations that could not let this show breathe but it gets to be live on disney plus which gives it some room uh and i i think it's gonna work out okay uh, i'm coming from a point of of positivity and faith in in the process and the team and the names creating it but you know what i mean where it's gonna be like well this doesn't seem like the clone wars Ooh, yeah i mean i think i think it is probably going to strike out very quickly I, I wouldn't be surprised if the first episode has a little bit of a a tone or a style or even just thematic uh uh commentary of this is not the clone wars yeah. um i guess that i'll go out on a limb with that prediction i think it's going to make it really really clear that this is a story about uh soldiers who were made for war who suddenly don't have a war um and really really make sure that that is clear right away that that's what's different about this um and i do want to be super clear i think that the bad batch did come off is uh, pleasingly, um, not one note, but they were serving that function. You know, we right. were getting to know those characters and we we're getting to have fun with them. But the story was a lot about 
uh, Rex and his relationship with the clones and, uh, you know, Echo and, and everything else going on. I think these these characters have the potential to be really, really deep and interesting because in that arc, Wrecker is the funny one note. Oh, I wanted to smash. But yeah. it suddenly becomes a deep and interesting character when he has nothing to smash or he, you know, he has to smash for a different purpose, you know? Yeah. <laughs> New kind of smash. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're speaking the truth there. I think I think there's great potential. Again, on, on the surface, I see this. I go, eh, okay, we got some GI Joe action figures in space, and that's going to be fun. But yeah, I, again, I trust the team, and I like what you're saying, Joseph, and the world they live in. I'm not automatically like got at my list of things I want to see or characters I want to see show up. But there's some fun crossover potential or fun cameos and and yeah someone like ahsoka i guess could show up you know it could be that or it could be my my want my desire is every episode ends with them and dexter's diner having a bite to eat talking about today's <laughs> lessons yeah Just, i want that to be the seinfeld location i want this to be seinfeld is what i want <laughs> um, fraser versus seinfeld it's the 90s again in star wars um wings yeah and we're good. i think i think it's gonna be uh a matter of, you know, especially since they say, you know, it's it's their mercenary adventures while they find new purpose. So I think it was really going to functionally be about initially they're going on adventures just to survive. If they, you know, they don't have any sort of infrastructure they live within. Uh, they might have kind of a weird place in the galaxy being that they are kind of clones but aren't immediately recognizable as clones. Uh, so I think it's going to be about like, well, just what mission do we need to run to keep you know, our ship fueled up, but then increasing tensions probably between the four of them of who do we want to be? Because we used to have these adventures for more purpose than just survive. Uh, and does one of them start to, one or two of them start to pull in one direction of actually, I, I think that we need to go after this emerging empire or, you know, others saying, no, we need to just settle down and hide. And, and I think that's where the show is going to get really meaty and interesting. Yeah. I was going to kind of, going to ask you about that kind of you know as far as we know from this this far out of of the show which is set to come out in 2021 no no exact time yet yeah is it another you know a rebellion cell so to speak whether or not it's officially that or not or it's potentially in the early days like you just said hey we got to go hide we got to survive or we got to take them on is there an investigation side of it of like what the hell happened why why did we maybe not our clone ships didn't work or did it work? And when they killed a Jedi, now they could get in some deep stuff like that. I guess I just don't want to set up my own expectations for that. If it just turns out to be some rollicking, uh, rollicking, rolling, rolling fun, rollicking, rolling. Yeah. Wonderful words today. You know what? But again, it's Star Wars. It's going to have some depth to it. I, I, I expect that. But, you know, I don't want to take it, take it too far down a path for myself. Yeah, I think that's really good. We haven't heard in age uh, range yet and i did really enjoy star wars resistance and it did definitely have some themes and ideas uh but there was a concentration on just this is the fun adventure of the week and it definitely did have like stakes and ideas uh but it didn't you know roll around in them as it were you know so mm. i think that it is definitely a good idea to prepare for like a lot of this is just going to be they're on a different mission this week um for other characters popping up I really wouldn't be surprised and I would really hope for Boba Fett because mm. that is one of the stories of Clone Wars that didn't really get completed is Boba Fett's full sort of uh, turn from 
this young uh, scoundrel learning the ways of bounty hunting to I got the armor here. Here's my deal. <laughs> here's how right. I became the most feared bounty hunter. And since he is also one of the other clones, that's not really a clone the same way these clones are have this relate different relationship to being a clone. There's actual good like storytelling reasons that relate back to the main characters for Boba Fett to show up. And then it all ties into Mandalorian season two, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. Final note on this: uh, What do you think, uh, Justin? We've talked a lot about the potential of Disney Plus for Star Wars stories that are smaller, a little bit more off the beaten path, and we know Favreau's thoughts on we're not Star Wars. This is to me a great example of something that I don't know if this would have existed without Disney Plus, but they have this playground to kind of construct their own slides and swings on. And I do above all, whether I'm super excited for the show or not, I really like the use of Disney plus and star Wars in this way. I can get behind it. Yeah. I love it because it really does feel like just this spirit of exploration of like, not everything needs to be, you know, totally planned to T or not. Everything needs to be, this show is in support of this, you know, uh, movie that's coming out or you know supporting this marketing agenda it it feels like hey we have these characters that have been floating around for a long time the whole world's finally going to see them uh, we love them why not let's have fun and i'm sure anything that gets decided has you know <laughs> some marketing behind it but to your point i think disney plus is just like we want content that's fun so fans keep uh feeling uh, a desire to watch and desire to to keep paying money and and talking about it and convincing other people to watch so it means that there can be just a little bit more like if you're just starting from, well, we we need Star Wars content of any kind. What do you want to do? This. This would be fun. Cool. Let's experiment. Let's do it. Let's get in there. And yes, this uh, this is our uh, backdoor pilot for the Bad Batch Report coming to Fortnite <laughs> at some point in 2021. Uh, any other final thoughts on the Bad Batch, Joseph? Otherwise, we'll go on to our uh, other headlines here. Nope. That's all my batch thoughts. Uh, batch thoughts you gotta have them hashtag batch thoughts headline reads 40 years later empire strikes back still got it over this past weekend part of this uh re-release of empire strikes back that was pulled back in some areas uh, remained the same in so, uh, some others um uh empire strikes back put back in the theaters and it had one more box office win it's first since 1997 since the special editions Finished the weekend with an estimated 400 to 500K. Uh, so the total for the film is now at 290 million plus domestically as it moves up uh, the rankings. And, uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, we could make jokes, but, uh, you know, the, the Empire and Star Wars still has an appeal and it's still great to experience it in a theater. I, I saw some some people, are, are one of our, uh, our Discord uh, folks, Tim Van Newlin, who tweeted out a picture or, po- or posted a picture on our Discord of him heading into the theater. Like, that's cool stuff, man. Cool stuff to see Empire and Star Wars still make some sort of headlines for this kind of stuff, Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, the 290 million total, that that's just fascinating. Because obviously, uh, by so many metrics, Empire Strikes Back is a huge hit. But 290 million, uh, The Force Awakens made 247 million in its domestic opening weekend. <laughs> Just a, a little look at ticket prices, inflation, the changes of the world, you know. Uh, my day, junior mentor, a quarter. Um, <laughs> and they were great. 
Now so it's a quarter per junior man. <laughs> not not lying there. Uh, this uh, lockdown quarantine situation we talked about this before, Joseph. But it's pushed the idea of re-releases and and bigger Jurassic Park and all these other ones are coming into theaters to get people to get back out, uh, take a shot, be brave to go. I don't know. I'm I'm still not ready, but you out there listening might be, and that's great uh, if you feel safe. Um, I, what do you think? Just let's Joseph. Let's just re-release all nine films. Let's Rogue One and Solo. Put them in the theater, one a month for an entire year. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? Why not? And I am not personally uh, ready to be back in a theater. So I wouldn't. If they're going to keep doing this, you know, a lot of drive-ins are popping up. I would love a drive-through, a drive-in. You know, yeah. that'd be great. But uh, once the lockdown ends, you know what I really want to see in terms of Star Wars releases in a theater. I would love some big special weekend. You know, I know you'd have to do maybe a couple of um, uh, viewings, a couple of seatings. I would love for uh, Mandalorian to be released in theaters because I would love the experience of seeing that with a group of people cheering Mm -hmm. and laughing. And I want to hear like an audience of several hundred people post pandemic, several hundred people ooing and aahing at the child. Yeah, yeah. At least if you do like I don't know episodes seven and eight. I don't know, but those are short, right? So yeah, you can do four. Yeah, d- screw it. Do it all eight, all eight. Just one one marathon's viewing. <laughs> exactly. Why not? You could do an intermission. That'd be fine. Yeah, they do the uh, twenty. Yeah, the twenty four hours. Uh, you know, uh, 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 marathons leading up to the movies. We can do it there. Uh, so we'll keep you updated when that finally happens. Uh, Leslie Headland spoke with EW. Uh, she, of course, will be running the uh, as yet to be named Star Wars live action show on Disney Plus. At least another one coming. She, of course, um, has done a lot of things. I uh, sleep with other people's a movie she wrote. I didn't know she did not know she wrote that until I was reading the story this week. She's showrunner on Russian Doll, and she was speaking on EW's Untold Stories Pride Edition about Fran Lebowitz. So it's a, a much bigger show covering a lot of things. But naturally, anytime something is mentioned by Star Wars, it become about Star Wars, it becomes a little headline. And she discussed uh, running her upcoming Star Wars series. Uh, and she talked about the importance, um, kind of a surreal nature to it, uh, uh, and, and the honor of being of her being uh, the showrunner as a gay woman and what that means. And uh, she talked about the best way to get a seat at the tables when someone sends an elevator back down for you. Uh, I want to dive into those ideas, Joseph, because um, uh, representation and diversity have been uh, very much not just on the big national and worldwide discussion, but in Star Wars, Star Wars had, has had some great uh, small victories and victories, especially on the publishing side. And then it's also had some big whiffs or perceived whiffs or just not enough action. So like a lot of things, it goes both ways. But this, this is, this is a big moment and it's an important moment. And, and she realizes that. Uh, and uh, I, I loved hearing that from her. Yeah, me too. I, and I think it's great. I think that representation for me as an audience member, um, you can sometimes I well I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I just really enjoy seeing something that's coming from a different voice and a different perspective because there's just like a different energy to uh to the film or the story because it is coming from a different perspective. So I'm just really excited uh, for somebody with different life experiences to truly be at the helm of a Star Wars project. Um, and it, it's obviously people have been listening to you and I talk about all the different Star Wars we love. Um, that's been uh, made by a lot of the people that you would come to expect. And it's not like I don't think uh, straight white men <laughs> can create good Star Wars, but I'm still very excited 
for somebody with a different um, perspective to bring that perspective to Star Wars. And I'm a huge fan of Russian Doll and all of those sensibilities are really fascinating when you start to combine them with Star Wars. So I'm super excited about it from that uh, perspective. And then uh, just reading the highlights of this interview, I love this quote about the best way to get a seat at the table is when someone sends the elevator back down for you. Uh, she also talks about how much luck is involved in this industry. Um, and I just, that makes me super excited because I always want to hopefully like <laughs> the people who are creating star Wars. And I think when somebody in this industry says, Hey, I believe in myself. I have a vision. I am talented. I am confident, but I also acknowledge that, uh, I am one with the cosmos and, uh, it, luck is a part of the reason that I am at the table now. So I can express that talent that I believe I have when somebody has those, the combination of, uh, confidence and humility that luck is a part of it. I'm just always more excited to see their work rather than somebody who's just like, uh, I am brilliant. And so <laughs> the entire world uh, bent to my will. Uh, so just that perspective, totally my opinion, makes me even more excited to see somebody's work. No, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. That That's something, there's something just uh, charismatic in its own way about someone that gets it's not self-loathing it's not self it's a little self-deprecating but it's it's a reality it's and it's under and it, and it shows that she has this full uh view of of how she's here why she's here and why it's important but also uh you know like you said the luck we've been we've been at that we've been at it for a long time in this town and luck uh luck is a part of it and luck and that's not a bad thing too by the way it's not a bad thing um what i like too here is this is a, this is a star wars fan and and there's these bigger important things attached around her being in this position. But at the end of the day, it's a Star Wars fan with a different perspective. And that that means she's going to look at uh, Han a little different, Leia a little different, Luke a little different. And that, going to what you said, Joseph, is exciting. Uh, that it uh, just is, I, we love these, like, all right, so I, I looked at uh, Empire this way, and you were over there in another time and another state or another country with a different upbringing, a different perspective. And what do you think about that there? And you start bringing that all in, all in and it is going to make a more exciting, more, more robust Star Wars show. I, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. And that really excites me when it gets to wondering what this is going to be about, of like what, mm. like literally, you know, when is it set? Who does it involve? It sounds like it's going to be uh, uh, in starring women. It sounds like it is going to be not super connected to things we've known before. But I think what it is connected to is, you know, uh, looks like from old Wikipedia (laughs) and Wikipedia that she's about 40 years old, which means I would guess that she grew up on, you know, repeated viewings of VHS tapes of original trilogy and then, you know, was formative, uh, you know, young adult when the prequels came out. So maybe big expanded universe book fan. But I'm so excited to hear about what is what excited her in Star Wars, because mm-hmm. that's probably what we're going to see on screen. Yeah, that's the, and again, this wasn't a straight up Star Wars interview. But when those things start, when she starts talking really about what personally brought her to Star Wars as a kid, you're right, Joseph, that's going to give us a real indication of what's to come. Yeah, and I'm super excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. We have almost no idea what the series will be, um, but uh, I think you kind of answered what we hope it could be. And, you know, this not connected, connected, it's all Star Wars, so it's connected one way or another, but not being directly under 
an umbrella of prequel era or clone, you know, original trilogy era, but it's kind of its own. That'll that'll help help it as well. And again, something cool coming to Disney Plus. I I literally could have a new Star Wars show every month and be just thrilled and excited. <laughs> So, uh, final story, uh, we got a first look at Thrawn Ascendancy. This is Timothy Zahn's Thrawn Trilogy, the new one coming out. Uh, this is a prologue that was released. There's an audio version as well. Uh, StarWars.com has it up there. Joseph and I both read it. I listened to it for um, a, a point and then forgot it was on. Um, but let's, let's dive in. Joseph, that might be a little indication of what I reacted to in this. I'm ap- apologizing to Thrawn fans. Let's discuss, Joseph. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're just in this fascinating time with Star Wars where in terms of all of the content that's coming, there are all of these different frontiers being explored and how much they're connected or not connected to existing stuff we know is a conversation that we're going to keep having. And it feels like what this is, is, you know, there's a ton of fans for Zahn's great writing. He has such a legacy in Star Wars. There's such a a love of the character Thrawn. And it feels like they've been given, they've given him some room where he can just kind of go crazy doing his Zahn Thrawn thing. (laughs) And it's probably not going to touch a lot of other uh, Star Wars. And for me, the part of that that I'm excited by is I've come to really enjoy Thrawn himself is just Sherlock Holmes in space and put away some of my expectations that it might connect more. You know, I really loved uh, Thrawn alliances. We got all this juicy Anakin Vader Padme stuff um, and and a lot of connection to Rebels and the the other books in, in the last Thrawn trilogy. But I feel like this one is mostly going to be the sort of joy and fun of Thrawn outsmarting people um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of Thrawn begins, right, of exactly, you know, how clever is he when we meet him as a cadet? And, you know, what is this going to be like? He learns some powerful lessons in this first book that he then has these skills, um, all that kind of stuff. I've got a couple hopes of little bits of lore, Star Wars lore that would excite me that this could maybe touch. Um, but I, but I'll, I'll save that uh, for for because I want to hear your thoughts. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is definitely going to be, sh- I love your take on Sherlock Holmes because we eat towards the end of the excerpt here in the prologue. We got uh, preparing transport for myself and senior captain Mithran Nurudo. I cannot say it like Anakin. Uh, destination Dioa, a purpose investigation of a derelict ship found two days ago in the outer system. We've got an investigation coming. Uh, so, yes, I really do enjoy Thrawn as a character. I did enjoy Thrawn alliances, but I have to admit that I was more him interacting with Vader, Anakin, uh, some of the stuff with Padme, uh, you know, that's, and, and, and the tie into the, the order 66 and the, and the big reveal at the end there stuff. So I like it. I love air to the empire as, 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 as a series, the, the, the three books there that really relit the fires for star Wars. And I have them on my shelf right now, but yeah, over the years, they're not as, they don't hold up for me as much. So I I'm going to admit Joseph at, at the risk of getting angry tweets, that I'm not super excited for the series. However, reading this prologue, it does take you into, uh, you know, you got, you're learning more about this culture and this world and, and the ruling parties and how it functions. And that's kind of interesting in its own right. As you expand the galaxy in this modern era, I'll make a weird uh, connection to, I don't know, the Game of Thrones world of ice and fire kind of thing where you're learning about uh, how this, how they function out there in Essos uh, and that culture worked. And now this family came to be and this house grew to power. So I, I am intrigued with that stuff. And you know, there's going to be some kind of 
connection, big or small, that will probably be pretty cool. That might have that moment of like, oh, wow, they did that. They opened up a gift shop on Exegol. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I'm most excited for. Like the, the um, that, that excerpt was uh, perfectly great writing as, as Zahn always is for my taste, but it is like, okay, well, I'm going to have to invest in, in order to get engaged, I'm going to have to invest in who, who all these families are. What is their philosophy? How does it fit into the history of the Chiss ascendancy and all of that? And, and that can be work compared to sit down and get Padme's insights during Phantom Menace because you're already invested in that. Um, right. so, so it does, for me as a reader, go like, okay, I got to get invested in this family. Um, or all these family dynamics and political dynamics, the stuff that it might touch on, I like that they referred to, you know, uh, somewhere in that, uh, that passage about, uh, somebody was out in the chaos and I, they've had a couple different mentions across star Wars lore and Canon about how nasty the unknown regions are and how many weird mysteries are out there that can ravage people. That excites me. I want to see some of those weird mysteries up close. I would love some sort of passing reference or to Octo or Exegol. Um, I like the the way that in the other Thrawn trilogy it was developed that the uh, Force-sensitive Chiss lost any connection to the Force once they got a little bit older. That's such a great idea of how the Chiss are so logical that they sort of drive people's intuitive connection to the Force away at a certain age. And I would love more on that kind of stuff, other views of the Force. So I'm, I got my fingers crossed for Sherlock Holmes in space, a little bit of Game of Thrones family, and a little bit of touching on a weird unknown regions force lore. Sounds good to me. You've won me over. I mean, I was going to read it anyways. Come on. <laughs> you know that there. Uh, that is it with the news. We're going to take a quick break in a second. But before we do, we want to remind you of uh, an audio book that we want you to try out. Joseph, what is our Force Center recommends? We are going to recommend Alphabet Squadron, colon, Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. We're going to be cracking that book open, reading it, and we'll be reviewing it next week uh, on our Thursday show, on our deep dive show. So if you want to follow along for our big spoiler-filled review, be sure to check out Alphabet Squadron, Shadowfall. Do it now. Do it. And to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book quick break on the other side we're going to look at jedi temple challenge episode six and we've got some great questions from all of you out there in force center land we'll see you in a bit head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Force Center, the news edition, and on the news edition, we also take your cues, and we look at Jedi Temple Challenge. Joseph, it's been 
again, a lot of fun to have this show in our lives as Star Wars fans, and it inspires my inner 12-year-old every week. Oh, yeah. I, I sat and watched it the, this morning. I didn't stay up late with whiskey. I watched it in the morning like a regular person uh, with coffee, and it reminded me of watching game shows in the summer when I was a kid. Exactly. Just before four episodes of Gilligan's Island would come on in syndication. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Good memories. Let's dive into the sixth episode this week. Here's the teams, Max and Ziggy. Which, that's a great band. They're the blue team. Anna and John, the purple team. Sarah and Juliana, the orange team. We got some highlights to discuss here, Joseph. Um, I want to talk about the Team Blues motto. Hope for the best, expect the worst. What do you <laughs> think about that in terms of this game, but also life? Uh, I have said that to myself many, many times. I think it should be a part of my personal Jedi code. I love it. I think it's extremely healthy. I think it's good. So, some friends of mine uh, have their writing team for together for years and content producing partners. And they always just have a thing of what's the worst that can happen, right? You, you measured up against that and you're okay. So I like this motto here. Right. You got optimism, but you're also aware that uh, the walls are going to come crashing down upon you. <laughs> and you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. That's an important part of it. Yes. So we, uh, what we, I want to shout out, I, 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 you have to, you have to talk about it and we talk about it carefully. I want to shout out Juliana and her struggles. She, Joseph had a, had a problem on the, on the, the, the swing. Uh, she had a problem jumping and Juliana, I don't assume you're listening, but I want you to know I've been there. Oh yeah. I have been there struggling to do a pull up, uh, struggling to climb up a rope or just struggling to do something that seems so easy to everyone else, but you just can't seem to get it. And I could tell, you could tell in her body language, she was disappointed in herself. Um, I just, you know what? like uh, Giovanni last week, kind of pulling his pants up and struggling through himself. We are that. And I've been there and I found great inspiration in her getting back up on that rope every time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it felt to me like that kind of thing of just uh, needing to figure out like for your own body, what is the energy? Where, where do I put me in the, the center of my energy and how do I do it? And I related to that so much because I would have, as a kid, one or two things uh, that came to me naturally physically, but almost the entire physical world was just, how do I do that? I got mm. in big trouble in kindergarten because, uh, yeah, it was kindergarten because we were having a gym exercise. We were supposed to bounce a ball on the floor, off the wall, and back to us. <laughs> and I <laughs> could not do it. And the teacher got so mad. It's a whole thing. Grabbed me. Uh, there were claw marks. It was awful. So oh. I relate. <laughs> No, look, even uh, uh, in my mid to early 20s when I was over doing sketches and stuff over the Groundlings Training Center and all that junk and doing a doing a show there, I had a sketch where me and two other comics, um, Peter Sprite and Brian Keith Etheridge, we had to hang from a metal bar on stage and was it was supposed to be a helicopter rung, like we were hanging for our lives, right? Yeah. And it was a runner during the show. So, meaning if one of us fell in the first bit we had to then drop we couldn't do the le next two sketches which were in, in one show is this runner and i you know i lift weights do all this stuff i just i'm a heavy bulky guy i don't have the the arm strength and i was like julian on that swing and i stayed on with all my life but it it was it was embarrassing it was embarrassing to watch people go like this guy can't hang on that bar for 30 seconds what's wrong with <laughs> And I had to go back out each time and clearly just kind of suffer through it. And I never fell. I never fell, Juliana. And I, 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 I've been there and I was really inspired by her. 
I understand, because as a scrawny guy, hanging from things is uh, where I was a Viking. I could do that, but See? because All I right. had no body mass. My friend Peter Sprite, who I don't know if you've ever met Peter, you two are very similar in uh, look, build, and comedy stylings. Like, you, you know, like, <laughs> doppelganger, like, you would love Peter. And he would hang there with one hand, almost taunting me. He's not. He was a nice guy. Uh, but it was just like, I was like, I can't do it. Uh, so I get it. I get it. Um, and you know what? Sarah Juliana lost, uh, eliminated early first round. But they, they said in their post-game little comments, they won a stronger friendship. And Joseph, I think that's the big victory today. That is really the big victory. Strength, knowledge, bravery, friendship. And I think mm-hmm. friendship should be listed. We uh, absolutely we go on to the second round of the story. We always love pulling some stuff for the stories. I got to ask you here. Uh, what do you think uh, embarrassing meditation recordings are? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I ramble about tip of the iceberg storytelling. I think this was great. It is great to have a story about a Padawan who uh, dropped a hollow recorder that had embarrassing meditation recordings on it. Uh, and I think it did invite you to just guess. I think it's going to be uh, failed meditations where he can't concentrate and uh, just starts uh, like maybe uh, hyperventilating and saying swear words. <laughs> that's that's the one. And the fact that they he and the uh, space ape end up watching them together later on shows me. All right. It was, there's some great uh, value in, in, in learning from your embarrassments, I, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fun. No, those stories are fun, full of a lot of little details. In the final round, uh, John and Anna, they got there, and they went straight to the dark side. And I love how they played with this, Joseph. They they had probably had to, had to do some reshoots. That's right, some some Star Wars Jedi Temple reshoots because they they set it up with Keller and Beck kind of feeling the dark side of the Force working its magic. I really love the way they did that. Yeah, because there wasn't, they didn't try at all. They just ran in and hit it. Like, no, we knew we were going to go to the dark side. It's clearly a better tactic. What? What's the problem? Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you got there? Uh, that's uh, yeah, uh, very very fascinating there. Um, and they win. Um, and I, so I guess going to the dark side. You know, we can talk about our deep lessons and and the values and this and the morals. And they won. It worked out. <laughs> they won this time. This time. There you go. Yeah, but that dynamic was really fun because I think they were either older or a little taller than a lot of the other contestants. Um, And they definitely had a different vibe. And it seemed like uh, it's so weird to just uh, have opinions about uh, kids. But that's what we're doing here. It it seemed like uh, it seemed like John was very focused, very smart, very skillful but not always the best listener. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like there's that, it cracked me up. Uh, His partner was Anna, right? And uh, when he's uh, swung across uh, the chasm there, he just let go of the rope and she's like, John, the rope. (laughs) And then he's not doing the best listening when they're putting together that little Mm -hmm. tower in the dark. Uh, And then at the very end of the thing, uh, when they have their post interview after becoming Jedi Knights, they're talking about all the things that they, uh, that they did together and Anna adds right at the end and teamwork. We learned teamwork, right? <laughs> yeah. I hope there's a uh, tournament of champions and they bring back winning uh, teams, Jedi. Yeah. Bigger battles. It'd be fun. It's a big uh, part of the charm of this show is just seeing all those different dynamics uh, become, be, uh, between young people becoming adults. That's right. It's, it, it is truly the lessons of Star Wars. A couple of thoughts uh, here in the segment here, Joseph. I, you know, I got to ask if, if they were to sell these outfits at Galaxy's Edge, you, you go to Doc Ondors and, and, and you Doc Ondors and you got the uh, Jedi Temple Challenge Jedi outfits. Which one are you going with? What's your color here? 
Oh, I like the blue. I like the blue. And I was, in fact, admiring them. I like the, they kind of got the little, the blaster, the, the slung low on the hip and the little uh, bracer things on the arms. I love them. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm going with purple. I think blue would be a second for me. I just don't look good in orange. I just don't, but I wear a lot of purple. Uh, so I think I go to that too. And, and, you know, this is probably, I'm joking, but this could be a realistic <laughs> thing down the line. Uh, Jedi temple outfits. You still want to get that Sith robe that they got there at Duck on there. So oh, very expensive though, right? Very, very expensive. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it, the cost of that Jedi robe is like turning to the dark side. It's going to maybe not be the best final thought here. We've been joined uh, you and I even talking off air, but I'm at best is Keller and Beck. Uh, Mary Holland is, is 83. Uh, great interplay. Great moments there. I just love the wrestling rancor. <laughs> Have you ever wrestled the rancor 83? And it says it again. Have you ever wrestled the rancor? I just love what's going on here. Yeah, this one might be, I know we've said it many times, but this week might have been my favorite for banter. I liked the through line about what uh, organic body parts 83 does have and doesn't. And uh, then Keller and Beck follows up of like, you know, uh, you, you don't have teeth. Not that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great zinger. Good job. Great zinger. Yeah, Mary Holland, uh, I, li- I, I like her style of humor. It's it's a, it's a, it's uh, she plays with the downbeats. I love it. I don't know. So it's been fun. And uh, I want to, I want more of the, the Keller and Beck story here. I don't know how we a comic a book, a show. I don't know. I want more. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love Jedi temple story time where it's a bunch of the uh, Padawans and what they've, uh, what they've actually won is story time from Keller and Beck. Love that. So that's episode six of Jedi temple challenge uh, Four more. We'll stay with it here to the end of season one. Look for it on Star Wars Kids. All right, Joseph, we got audience questions. That's right. We take these every week. We get them from social media and from our patrons on Patreon. This week, we have a mix of fun and deep, which is perfect for Star Wars. We're going first to Twitter, and we got this question from Ryan Dino 101 mm. <laughs> A solid Twitter handle right there. Ryan Dino 101 asks... What are your thoughts and interpretation of the Mortis arc in the Clone Wars? <laughs> and uh, Ken, uh, let, let's frame this a little bit. Uh, we can and eventually will do a three-hour episode on all the thoughts and interpretations of the Mortis arc. But I thought maybe we could both just kind of uh, do a little bit of an overview and any any sort of uh, bullet points of Mortis that we churn or, uh, around in our minds a lot. So for you, what what's your overall relationship to the Mortis arc? I... I, I love it and I'm mesmerized by it and I watch it. I'll tell you what, I've watched it more than a few times because I, I kind of think to myself, wait a minute, what happened? I got to go back. I want to revisit it. What did I miss? And there's a lot of juicy stuff there. And I think a lot of it has to do with Anakin, the vision of what he's going to become, some confirmation on him as the chosen one, all those kind of things. But I'll, I'll just say I've been mesmerized from the first moment I saw it because it's not something that I gravitate to right away with Star Wars stuff. You know, I like my fighting, I like my spaceships, and I want to go that direction. But to go to this mystical, magical realm and to see that this is really something George wanted, I just have never been able to turn away from it, which to me speaks to its its power and, and perhaps its purpose, even if I don't always grasp every little detail of it. And and then I love going back and digging in. And then even just when it starts to pop up in some way in Rebels, you know, just imagery or connections, it, 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 it got me excited. So... It, the, the the episodes have always worked for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. I think there is something very dreamlike about them because I have watched it many times and I remember the uh, events and I remember the the moments that really resonate with me. Uh, but there's something dreamlike about it where sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, what what are all the beats? Because I think I just get sort of um, lulled into it in a, in a certain way, which I think is, you know, really powerful. I also think having heard Filoni talk a little bit more, I think at least for Filoni's influence in this kind of deep force lore, and, and I think this matches up with Rebels, I think there's a real desire to have some things be very clear where you can trace that back to other Star Wars lore. And I think there's a, an effort to have some things left up for interpretation. Cause I think that is, it seems to be important for Filoni of like, yeah, you could probably glean this meaning, but you could maybe look at it this way too, which I think is uh, really great because it reflects Jedi philosophy of, you know, there are no absolutes. That's the absolute is that there are no absolutes that you try to look at things from lots of different ways and, many different things might be going on. And I think while Mortis does have some concrete things, it, I think it's also embracing that philosophy. In, in other words, there's a lot there, Joseph, and perhaps we should dig into it further on an episode of the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the, hmm. the, 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 the concrete thing, I want to say, definitely excited about Clone Wars Report. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I've got the most out of it, watching it the last couple times is this picture of if this uh, if Mortis exists as sort of one of the uh, the guardian places to help keep the overall flow of the force in balance? It's this cosmic place uh, as well as a physical place that darkness is there mm-hmm. in the form of the sun and light in the daughter, and it only really goes out of balance when the sun wants more and how much that is. To me, that's one of the concrete themes. That is the story of the dark side. It's yeah. It goes out of, the force goes out of balance when the dark side wants more. I like it. Yeah. Takes, takes action. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts? Any other little specific thoughts? Parts that you love? Uh, interpretations that you cling to? Uh, I, I do love all the stuff with Anakin's vision. I don't know why I get I get really excited when I see things I know in an, <laughs> an animated form. Uh, that's the thing I saw. I like it. Uh, I I just I, I like I like the visual, I like the imagery imagery of it, and and I am always touched and moved by some of the big deaths in that uh, series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that there's definitely some great. Oh, it's Qui Gon. Oh, you, it's, it's the, the sun pretends to be Shmi, and like it's yeah. it's some big like wow. These are important. Uh, the actual vision of the future that Anakin has is uh, terrifying and cool because we're like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um, but I think it also has this weight for me to see that moment where Anakin sees that vision of the future and doesn't want it. Mm. And yet we're also within this arc seeing him makes the kind of choices that are going to lead him that way, where he is, you know, very stubborn and very afraid of loss. Um and everything that's going to move him towards that vision coming true. But at the same time, you're seeing in his heart of hearts, he doesn't want that vision to be true. And it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Tragic. Totally tragic. Mm. Total tragic. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically just uh, it's a great question. So I didn't want to I- ignore it from Rhino Dino 101. But basically, that's our teaser for uh, we'll be doing some more coverage of the Clone Wars and we will get to the Mortis arc and it will be juicy. Right. Oh, so juicy is going to drip down your quarantine beard, everybody. 
uh, might be uh, one of the funniest and grossest things that has been said on the Four Center <laughs> podcast feed. <laughs> too real, Ken. Too real. Uh, we're going to move on to a question uh, that came from Twitter from Amidala's Chef, another great Twitter handle. And yeah. Amidala asks, which Star Wars character will you go have lunch with at Dex's Diner? Mm. Yeah, that's uh, it's also juicy for the old quarantine period. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have a thought of this is this is uh, we've got this kind of question of which Star Wars character would you meet, hang out with, live with, be quarantined with? But this this is specific. You're going to Dex's mm-hmm. diner to dine. Who with Ken? Well. So I love, I love in the real world, I love diners. Um, that's a weird obsession. I love average to low average diners. And I think Dex is above average. I love the sequence. I love this character. But I, I'm, I'm answering, honestly, if I'm in this world, Joseph, I'm going to eat there by myself most of the time. I'm a big <laughs> lunch by himself guy and have been for years. So that might be, be the first answer. But going to a diner, I want to go with someone who either appreciates diners or knows the diner maybe more than I do. So it's hard not to say Obi-Wan is the answer. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, don't yeah, don't worry. Uh, uh, WA7's got you covered. Like, just ask for this. It's off the menu, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and then that said, I got to tell you, I, 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 you know, who knows if he eats whole frogs um, now as an adult, but I'll go with Yoda too because Yoda's got kind of the old man in the corner at the diner vibe. Oh yeah, definitely. He's got the stories, uh, and wants to impart the wisdom, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he just kind of sits there reading the newspaper, uh, in 2020 at a diner at two in the morning when no one talks to him. So I'll go with him and, and, and probably have a pleasant conversation over some, some hash browns and eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Some Ronto eggs. Do Rontos make eggs? Sure. Um, Man, I'm just enjoying this whole fanfic now that is uh, materializing in my head where you would walk in and WA7 would, would be like, you want the solo booth, honey? <laughs> yeah. At the counter, you know. Put you in the put you in the booth for one or maybe the weird side seat on the counter and uh, it would get packed or maybe you'd sigh. Yeah, that's what happened. You, you'd be eating and you would sigh because you're just thinking and you wouldn't even know that you sighed out loud. But right. Yoda would hear and he would walk over with his cane and he would... uh. He would bend your ear to try to make you feel better. This empty this seat is. Yeah. <laughs> just slide in. Yep. <laughs> yep. Eggs avoid. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> Who would you uh, take? Oh, man. I, you know, I couldn't resist Obi-Wan because if I could meet any Star Wars character, it would be Obi-Wan. He's, he's so full of contradictions. You know, this scene I love because I think it shows as part of Obi-Wan that he likes engaging with people. I think he likes uh, hanging out <laughs> at bars yeah. and diners and chatting with people. So I think he'd be up for it, you know, <laughs> to have a random conversation. Um, but then I was like, you know what would make it different? What would make it really, really special is to go to Dex's diner with Obi-Wan and Duchess Satine. <laughs> <laughs> because they've got some of the great banner uh, banter that there is in Star Wars of the her all of her questioning of uh, the Jedi choices and uh, the collection of half-truths and hyperboles known as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and I wouldn't want to do it every day, but I'm, I'm sure we've all been there. I've hung out with some friends uh, who are a couple, and every once what? in a while they're like, wow, I'm uh, I'm here while there's some stuff going on between you, <laughs> you two. And, you know, I don't want it all the time, but every once in a while, 
it's, it's kind of fun and interesting. And so I would like to have a, have a nice brunch uh, with them, maybe some, uh, some nice uh, space mimosas while they're working through some stuff. I'm on board for that. Wow. That, <laughs> that is the, the Obi-Wan and Satine novel that we want. We've always talked about wanting, but that's specifically what we want. That's right. Brunch of Destiny with Obi-Wan and Satine. Love it. Great question, Amidala's Chef. We are going to move on to our questions from Patreon. We have a similar but very different question from Will Culbertson. Will asks, if you could choose any Star Wars actor to sit down and watch a Star Wars movie with, who would it be and which movie? So not Star Wars character, Star Wars actor and a specific movie. Ken, do you have thoughts, desires, dreams, fears? All of the above. I've got three choices, all right? Oh, uh, damn. Will, Will said any. I'm going to cheat, okay? Uh, feel free to, while I'm blabbing, you pick some backups, Joseph, all right? I'm going to go first, uh, no order, but Jonas uh, Swatomo, solo, right? Ooh, like, yeah. Eunice, uh, uh, Eunice or Jonas? I always forget. Um, uh, him sitting down with that, because he had that great tweet uh, over this past week of just like, look, I know there's a lot of conversations and debate around these movies. That's part of it. But I, I just enjoyed making these two movies and, and showing uh, Last Jedi and I think Rise of Skywalker, right? And and I just, you know, his joy, he's an ambassador for this stuff. He gets really involved. He's, he's um, interested in the Make Solo 2 stuff. And and I just think he has a great joy and spirit to him. Um, and I missed out on, on meeting. He had come to Collider, the offices, to do an interview. And I, I wasn't there full time anymore. So I missed missed out. I just, you know, he just seems, I just type of, type of person I just want to meet and say, hey, thanks for being a great ambassador for this thing I love so much. So they could sit down there. Um, runner up uh, there, if, if he wasn't available, Ahmed Best in The Phantom Menace. Could you just Ooh. imagine his takes off camera? No stream, no YouTube watch along, just sitting down, some food and a drink and watching The Phantom Menace with Ahmed Best. Oh, I'd, I would love that. That and would be my, a joy. Right? My final one, my desire, like you said, uh, to go to heaven where Carrie Fisher is waiting in the Heaven Hilton bar and watch any Star Wars movie with her. <laughs> Maybe even Rise of Skywalker. Just to be oh. like, ah, oh, that's what they did with me? I don't know. Oh, I don't look I don't look good in that one. Maybe they can find a, uh, you know, I think that'd be fun too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. She she would have some great zingers, I'm sure, about like, oh, that take? You used that take, huh? I, I know I did a better take now. Jack. <laughs> uh, not that her takes in Rise of Skywalker aren't great, but... Yes. Carrie Fisher is known to have a sense of humor and a sense of self-deprecating humor. Uh, mm -hmm. Man, those are a lot of great choices. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I was lucky to have the in, an interaction with uh, Eunice Swatomo in a bathroom at Dragon Con, I think I told you about, where I was, you know, I was just like, you know what, now's my chance. And he was being very friendly So to everyone around. So I was just like, uh, hey, you did, a, you did a real good job. I think I said in Star Wars to make it clear I wasn't talking about whatever had happened in the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, and he was like, well, thank you. <laughs> you have a good day. It was great. It was absolutely great. He is so friendly and such a great ambassador. So he's, he is a great choice. Uh, Ian McDermott would be pretty fascinating for my runner up. Um, I would maybe watch uh, Revenge of the Sith with uh, Ian McDermott uh, or Rise of Skywalker. Because uh, he's just, he's got such a great wit to him. And he's such a just sort of a grand old man of the theater that I think he's got yeah. different insights on like the themes and then like fun little uh, gently poking side comments, you know. So that would be great. But uh, my number one is the same as is your number one. Uh, if it's anybody, it's got to be Carrie Fisher. And 
the movie I would want to watch with Carrie Fisher is The Phantom Menace. Uh, because oh, I think she'd have good insights on the actual movie, uh, mm-hmm. in the themes and the ideas. Cause she, she has, you know, such opinions about how star Wars is about family. And I think that she'd have great insights, uh, about that, um, a great sense of humor about it. But then of course, uh, we know from various reports that she, uh, did some punch up on Phantom Menace. Right. And I would love to see have her uh, lean over and whisper and went, yeah, yeah, I did that one. Yeah. The negotiations were short. short. Yeah, that that was me. There's always a bigger fish. Yeah, yeah, that was me. That was me. Yeah. I would love that. Let's yeah. do it. Let's meet her Let's at the Heaven Hilton Bar. All right. We got we got a lot of places to be, Ken. We gotta be yeah. the Heaven Hilton Bar, Dex's Diner. Yeah. Uh the the Star Wars bathroom where Eunice Swatmo lives. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, joking. Uh, okay, we are going to move on to our final question. It is a meteor one. This comes from Jeremy Klein, uh, one of our patrons. And Jeremy says, we've heard Ryan Johnson say that he believes that Luke's actions in episode eight align with his characterization in the original trilogy. How do you guys think his actions align? Or if you disagree, why do you disagree? Jeremy, uh, great topic and also very well stated for an essay format. Um mm-hmm. I think that you and I both agree that Luke's actions align with his characterization in the original trilogy. I, am I wrong there, Ken? No, I I agree, and 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 also think that it's a it shows an extension or a growth or a response to what that character was at that time too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely agree. Do you do you have thoughts that you want to share, or do you want me to dive in and go first on this one? Um, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll list some bullet points and then, uh, defer to, uh, counsel here. Uh, um, <laughs> um, I think the end result is, is probably the most in line with the ideas of putting down your weapon to win. Uh, I think, uh, last Jedi lines up also with the lessons of sacrifice he's experienced with his father, Obi-Wan. Uh, we know now stuff in, you know, the legends of Luke Skywalker, but I'm not going to factor that too much. And let's just try to stick with the movies to the question here. Um, and then I think it's in line with, the, like, like I kind of said before, his own experiences and awarenesses of his own faults and the dangers of them. That, and that to me, him looking over Ben and that same kind of shot that he's looking over Vader and, and the and, and the fist. It's 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 a, it lines up in a negative sense, right? And I think that's part of the connection of just like he knows what's in him or what could be in him, and that's why it would scare him now. And so that tracks for me just as well as. Yeah, he would make the same decision to throw down his, his saber as he did there. You know, you know what I mean. So, so it's this full. It's it's Luke older. It's Luke with experiences. Luke with failures that comes out of a lot of his failures during the original trilogy. Yeah, well, I think that's great. That's extremely well said, and I love your point about the even little bit of visual connection between uh, him looking at his his bladed his blade in his hand versus looking at his mechanical hand in Return of the Jedi. That's great. Uh, yeah, I think for me, I've really enjoyed rewatching the original trilogy and uh, kind of taking a step back from all of my own uh, personal relationship with Luke Skywalker and kind of uh, ironically how he lives as a myth in the real world uh, mm-hmm. as just purely a symbol of one of the greatest heroes ever, a symbol of hope. Uh, Mark Hamill in the real world has been such an ambassador of Luke Skywalker as a symbol of hope, as a hero. Uh, which is absolutely a credit to Mark Hamill as a human being and to Luke Skywalker as a character. But it's been really fun for me to to step back and go like, what are all of the elements of Luke's character in the original trilogy? And to me, what I see is 
this in Last Jedi is this older man who has been through a trauma and has all these elements of Luke's character from the original trilogy. Yeah, he, he still has uh, hope and empathy and kindness, but he also has, if you watch Empire, he's got uh, a temper. Uh, he's got, he's easily frustrated. Even the, even the famous in A New Hope going out to look at the twin sons, he's got that real funny just kicking a rock out of the way because he's just like, yeah. stupid rock. I hate, my life here is boring and like he has all of that impatience and in lack of belief in empire strikes back i don't think that's something that he just gets past i think that's a part of him i think that's the part of him that is susceptible to the dark side of that impatience and frustration with you know i i know the right thing to do but I, there's all these things in the way and i ah i just uh, you know throw down my bowl of root leaf stew and can't we go to see him now like we're wasting our time you know that's a part of who Luke is as well. He overcomes it in Return of the Jedi, but it is a, a part of him. Um, I think you also see like his sense of humor. There's a lot of little like, you know, Luke mm-hmm. uh, seeing seeing the humor in things. And I, I think that is a part of his characterization in Last Jedi. Um, so it, real, real specific bullet points. I feel mm-hmm. like what we see in Last Jedi, how all of that comes out is when Rey arrives and Rey really has this view of, well, the Jedi need to come back because they need to use their lightsabers to uh, beat the dark side in the First Order, and they, they're very powerful and they need to come back. I think he sees that same naive vision that he had in A New Hope and in the beginning of Empire where he sees uh, the Jedi are warriors who are going to get their swords and they're going to use their powers and they're going to help the good guys win. And I think he sees himself in Rey, and that's why he's so like, I got to push her through quickly to learn the lesson I did um, that there's more to it than that. Um, And then in Empire Strikes Back, once he goes through all of his ordeal and his, his failures and his lessons from Yoda, where Yoda really drills into him, you know, being a Jedi is not a great warrior. Wars not make one great. Uh, Being a Jedi is not about craving adventure and excitement. It takes the most serious mind. You have to be committed to this very important and serious task. And that's one of the elements I love the most of like, I feel like Luke obsesses on that. Like that was his mistake. And that's why he is so obsessed with what you need is knowledge and mastery and respect of the Jedi ways. And that's what sort of blinds him to learning from his mistakes. Uh, And that's what Yoda has to remind him of like, remember you made mistakes too. And it's, it's not just about being serious minded and, and having this great mastery. Um, you know, and then all of that to me comes together with what you're talking about is in this great tragic moment where he knows there's great darkness rising in Ben. He has that moment of instinct that he should take action. It's just a moment. He's trapped in such a hard position. That's his, his role as a Jedi to stop the darkness but he sees like just that one second of like, well, of course I can't do that. It's that this is the exact opposite of how I, I defeated uh, my own inclination to the dark side and how I got through to my father was by throwing my weapon down, not igniting it. And that's why he's so horrified at himself because I made a mistake that I didn't think I'd ever make again. Uh, and then finally comes through to, through Ray, through Yoda, um, accepting that he, is it is still his responsibility to act but he can do what he did in the past he can uh value uh 
pacifism. He can value creativity and he can find a way to act that still respects his beliefs. And the final thing uh, that I'll say is I think it can be overlooked in The Last Jedi how much the word hope is is talked about and how much the word hope is a motivation that Leia, uh, Ray may, might not totally understand, but Leia does. Leia doesn't want Luke back just for his powers. Leia wants him back because he is a symbol of hope. And that's even how, how Ray starts to crack the doors open on, on Luke, even talking to her of saying, my sister sent me here with hope. If you're not going to respond, she at least needs, deserves to know why. So that idea of hope starts to get into Luke. And I think, you know, even back to that hearing Leia, mm. his sister in the hologram say, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you, you're my only hope. Well, I mean, the movie's called a new hope for a reason. Luke becomes the hope. And I think it is really powerful that Luke reconnects to that idea of saying, when I was young, I had hope. I know that the galaxy needs that. I need to be that, that hope that I was when I was young. I need to be that again so I can inspire other people to have hope, so I can inspire Ray. So I think that it is all of these parts of Luke coming together, that young, hopeful idealist who says, I care, is, you know, he's back when he shows up on crate uh, to, to face Ben. Uh, and all, all of the impatience and the doubt and, and the uh, history of his choices between raising his blade and throwing it aside or all at work, all that stuff is all, everything in Last Jedi is, you can trace directly back to the original trilogy, in my opinion. 100%. And what, as I'm listening to you speak this, and I, I know Luke is so important to you, and you've talked about some of this stuff before and how Luke, you connect to Luke in a very real world manner. And, and you, hearing you talk about Leia and understanding what it meant or what it, you know, what it meant to her to have Luke back, you know, it, again, it wasn't just a, a weapon. It wasn't um, his, uh, you know, just his uh, tactics and strategy. It, it was the hope, the symbol, and what he really was. Just in a real world sense, it's uh, again, this is something I know you've touched upon. Go back to '83. Go back and look around the pop culture landscape at our heroes at the time. Uh, they are punching Russians in the face. They are, uh, you know, got a giant machine gun and a bandana around. I'm not just picking on Sylvester Stallone people, all right? Um, uh, G.I. Joe, something I love. They're all they're these big things. And, and in the middle of that, George Lucas put, puts out this non-warrior. <laughs> and says, That's our hero. And here's how you do it. And I do still think, and this is why your question is so great, Jeremy. I, do, I still think that's, that was missed and, and is still missed. And you look at uh, Last Jedi, and maybe you in that theater were expecting Luke Rambo to come back, but Luke Rambo didn't exist. That that never was. That was never the point. And uh, that's how it connects too, in this big, big sense of of that's what George wanted out there. That's what the story of Luke is is largely about. Uh, you talked about where he starts in the New Hope and where he ends up in Return of the Jedi. It's all there, and that all pours into uh, the complicated, uh, grumpy man that Luke has become on that island, and I love it. Yeah, complicated, grumpy, uh, funny man who uh, who reattaches to his his love of uh, hope and pacifism, actually making a difference, which is it's just beautiful. Yeah, great yeah. stuff. Yeah, really, really fun. Thank you, uh, thank you, everyone, for those questions. So, thank you, Jeremy, Will, Amidala, Chef, and Ryan Dino One Hundred and One. All great names, both human and Twitter handle. Uh, so that's it for our questions this week, Ken. 
That's right. We're wrapping up. And if you want to send us a question, there's some ways to do it. You can go to Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. You can go to Twitter, you winner. Uh, go to Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. New st- uh, show and tell went up this past weekend with Alex and Molly Damon of Star Wars Explained. Check that out. Final in memoriam of this season is going to be coming up soon. And uh, we can, uh, it's, uh, I was going to tease it. No, you, you, it's a, uh, it's a, all right. It's an Imperial school. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's some tease podcast available on anchor. iHeartRadio, Imperial, uh, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher, tune in and more. We have merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash force center and submit a question for this very show. We got go- cool things going on there. Just sent out two more collector card sets to uh, the folks uh, who uh, are, are at the top tier. Those are on the way to you there. Uh, and, that is it. Oh, that, that's it for my list, Joseph, other than our personal <laughs> plug and donations. So where can they find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me in Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can go to my website, uh, josephscrimshaw.com for all sorts of comedy albums, an old comedy book about pop culture, fun stuff, uh, some Star Wars uh, essays in there as well. I f- always forget to mention uh, in my book, Comedy of Doom and my uh, other podcast, Obsessed. And then for uh, what I'm promoting this week, I am back to promoting uh, the Vote Forward project. That's uh, The website is votefwd.org, and you just help write letters to voters to encourage them to use their power, to let people know how you feel, to maybe show up on Exegol as a <laughs> and not just be a Navy, but be the people, the people with power. So voteforward.org. How about you, Ken? Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at Cadnapsock. I finally launched my baseball podcast feed box score heroes. You can check that out and you can go to Cadnapsock.com for information on all the things I do. And we're highlighting on the charity spotlight tab this month, this month, uh, the peace fund, go to peace, the peace fund.org for more information. They have a threefold mission uh, to protect educated aid children that are in extraordinary difficult circumstances. This was nominated, recommended by Knapsack files and four center listener, Kai Thatch, uh, a great guy and actor down here in SoCal himself and uh thank you kai for recommending that we're highlighting that month Th- that month this that this month i can talk here on kenapsack.com so that is it for this week we thank you all for listening to the news and we thank you for your questions and more importantly well let's get wrecker into that diner we'll see you next time here on force center